Let me ask you to turn in your Bibles, either your personal Bible or your uh, copy of the Bible there in the pew to the book of Hebrews toward the end of the New Testament, end of the Bible, Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, I will read God's Word starting at verse 12 through into chapter 13, verse 16. This is obviously toward the conclusion of Hebrews and uh, has a great deal of application, uh, particularly for us at the start of a new year. Hebrews chapter 12, starting at verse 12. Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet, so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled, that no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal. For you know that afterward, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears. For you have not come, to what may be touched, a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and a tempest and the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that no further messages be spoken to them. For they could not endure the order that was given. If even a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. See that you do not refuse him who is speaking. For if they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less will we escape if we reject him who warns from heaven. At that time his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. This phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of things that are shaken, that is, things that have been made, in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. 
Remember those who are in prison as though in prison with them and those who are mistreated, since you also are in the body. Let marriage be held in honor among all and let the marriage bed be undefiled, for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. Keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have, for he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God, consider the outcome of their way of life, and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods which have not benefited those devoted to them. We have an altar from which those who serve the tent have no right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy places by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin are burned outside the camp. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. Through him, then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. And that ends the reading of his holy and inspired word. And let us pray. Lord, so much here. At this now moment, give me words to speak. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart not only be pleasing to you, but be clear and helpful to your people, all of us gathered here. We ask this by the power of your Spirit and in the name of Christ. Amen. Somewhere when I was about 11 or 12, I thought the best thing in my life at that time was I needed to run away from home. Uh, I don't even remember what it was going on at the house at the time, but uh, I had been in Boy Scouts for a while and, and such, and I felt, I can do this. This, is, this situation's not for me. I'm running away from home. And so I packed up a few things and started down the hill, and there was this kind of a creek that was not too far from the house, maybe half a mile or so, and I made my first stop there, and it was kind of wooded and such, and I'm sitting there, and you know, you begin to do a little reflecting. And uh, you kind of ask yourself some questions. What am I doing here? Uh, is this really better than what I left? Uh, I feel all alone. And can I really succeed at this? So I went back home. By the way, kids, don't, don't follow my example of that. Stay at home or come talk to your church members. Or, you know, don't, don't run away from home. Okay. But such questions like that still arise in our minds as Christian people. Um, 
It could be in our work situations, our marriage, our family situations, uh, things in regard to our faith. You know, to be perfectly honest, I think everyone in this room would agree that the year 2019 has been a difficult year, certainly for some people personally, and, and uh, it's been a year of transition for the church, uh, but, but also certainly in our nation. And 2020 is not exactly starting out as I would have liked it to anyway. Um, with, with such concerns. Well, the author of Hebrews that we read knew of these trials and tribulations not only for himself but for the readers of this letter. If you know something about the letter of Hebrews, uh, it is addressed to a church. They are professing believers. They are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, but generally out of Jewish heritage, Jewish religion. And things have been very, very difficult for them. And many of them are being tempted to return, tempted to leave the faith and go another place. And so I want us to look, and this is very brief. We're certainly not going to cover the material in here, but I think there are three key uh, questions that, that arise and are answered out of this text that hopefully you'll see from the title of the sermon, Staying the Course, that, that now today, throughout the year, throughout our lives, we will continue to know that we are in the right place with faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, that we will continue to live for Him no matter what 2020 opens up in front of us. And so, I think there are, there are three questions that I've got here. That's going to be the main points of my outline. And uh, Lord willing, it'll be good for all of us and it'll prepare us for the Lord's Supper to come. So the first question is this. If you're thinking, if you're struggling and uh, wondering, is this the right direction of my life? Let me just ask you, where else will you go? Is there really something better out there for you to find? See, what's interesting is our author tells us where believers are. Did you see that? In the, that's why I read the second half of chapter 12. I read several things, but starting at verse 18, he speaks about what happened on Mount Sinai, the giving of the law. But he says, wait a minute, wait, you have not come there. But where, uh, it's not only where we are ultimately heading to, but he actually uses the present tense. He says in our text here, in verse 22, you have come. Every believer in the Lord Jesus Christ today has a home. And guess what? It is the heavenly Mount Zion, the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, heaven itself. That's our goal. That's our citizenship. Paul will use that language to the Philippians, the Philippian church. Uh, the Philippi, Philippi was a Roman colony, so Roman citizenship was very important to them. And so he uses the language of citizenship to talk to the church and he says, our citizenship is in heaven right now. It's 
So if we are being tempted uh, by whatever sources in our own lives to turn away somehow, to think that there is something better, we need to kind of nail that coffin closed, so to speak, nail that box closed and say, how does it get better? Did you notice the list? Innumerable, and not just an angel, not just a few angels, but he uses the language of innumerable angels. We are reminded of our Lord's statement that he says, I could call 12 legions of angels to my aid. To the assembly of the firstborn, those both Old Testament believers and those saints uh, of the church, all those enrolled in heaven over the centuries and the millennia that had gone on to the spirits of the righteous made perfect. What is our goal? What is our home? What's our destination? Is it not to be with God, the judge of all? And that is not a fearful concept because who is at his right hand but to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant and his sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Abel, you know, was killed by his brother Cain and his blood basically entered the ground and cried out for judgment. Blessed be our Lord. His blood is shed and it satisfies the guilt and the judgment that I deserve as a sinner. And so here is our destination. Mount Zion, the city of the living God. It's eternal. It's unshakable. It's a kingdom. That's why he enters into this. There's certainly this call from the author of Hebrews. Make sure this message gets into your heart and into your mind and that you own it. The Lord is serious. He has revealed this truth. We have received a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Let, let atomic bombs, let nuclear weaponry, whatever, let it go off in this world. Heaven is not changed. One iota. What a secure place. Eternal. Unshakable. It is immediate, as it were. There's no earthly mediator any longer that we need like a Moses who lives between us and the living God. For Jesus, the God-man, is our mediator and he is there. There's application in the text. That's our first point. I'm telling you, the answer to the question, if you're thinking, oh, there's got to be something better than this, oh, really? I think the answer is absolutely not. Absolutely not. And the call to, to every child of God then is to, re, to hear, make sure we hear the message and believe in these things. Regularly in the scriptures, the call is to have that, that, that heavenly sight and, and vision. Set your affections, Paul says, on things above, 
where Christ is. And so he says, make sure you hear that message and obey. Verse 25 of chapter 12. But it is certainly a call to gratitude. Therefore, verse 28, let us be grateful. Let us be grateful for the most magnificent gift of salvation that gives a home with the living triune God. And certainly then, and it's certainly applicable right now, it is a call to worship. He ends that chapter by saying, let us respond then with offering to God reverence, worship, and awe. Well, that's the first question. Well, that's uh, a nice thing, and you might think, kind of like me, okay, I, I, I I understand that. I'm on the way there. I'm traveling there. Uh, I understand that's where my citizenship is, but I'm a stranger in a strange place. The Bible uses the language where aliens and such in this world. Um, uh, Can somebody go with me on my journey? I was alone when I sought to run away, like an orphan. And that's a question. I'm not there yet. Could something happen along the way that, um, that hinders me from getting home? Can somebody go with me? <laughs> Is not this good news? There are several practical commands that are interspersed in the opening verses of chapter 13, but the ones I want to focus on are verses 5 and 6. Verses 5 and 6. It's Verse 5 starts out, Keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have. These verses obviously strongly relate to our life in this world. One of the regular temptations of life is breaking the Tenth Commandment, you shall not covet. Uh, many are the illustrations in Scripture of people who, who did that. And we ask this question, what's going to give us contentment and satisfaction, peace, happiness, safety, security, and, and such as that? And, and we might tend to think about uh, things that can fill all of those voids. And generally speaking, we know that that will not happen. And we might think that a human being, a, no, a normal person like us, can, you know, most likely a spouse. Surely my spouse is going to travel with me in this pathway of life. But not to bring up too morbid a thought. But we all know the, the regular vows of a marriage, right? Uh, we may think we, and we may have actually found the most wonderful human being in the world to travel with. But in those vows, it is as long as we both shall live. Can't guarantee that that person's going to be with us the whole trip. But look at our text. Second part of verse 5. We have the greatest of companions. We have the greatest of companions. Keep your life free for he... God has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Note well that he there is God. God has said this. I will never leave you nor forsake you. No fewer, when you look at the Greek text, 
there are no fewer than five negative particles or words that are enforcing the absolute impossibility of God to forsake his people. He will not do it. He never has done it, never will do it. He's not doing it today. He is the greatest of companions. What is, there's, there are several things about today that excite me about preaching this message. Will made the order of service and he chose, and he did it without knowing that I was going to be preaching from this text. And he wants to read through the next book we're reading through continuously in, the, in these Sunday mornings is the book of Joshua. So we read Joshua chapter 1 today. Does any of what I read sound familiar to you? That promise is exactly the pro If you look in your study Bibles and look at the cross references, I will never leave you. The citation is Joshua 1.5. It's one of the things that I think the Lord is saying today. Hey, Presbyterian Church of Coventry, hear the good news. I will never leave you nor forsake you. It's a promise made. Was he faithful with Joshua of old? Absolutely. Is he faithful to these Hebrew Christians? The author understands that promise was given 1,400 years ago at this time when he wrote and, and preached to these people. And he said, this promise is good, not just for Joshua. It's good for you. And we look at it in 2020 and say, it is still good. God still says this truth. What is our application or response on this point? But what I'm calling fear-killing faith. Fear-killing faith. Because he tells us the proper response to this promise, doesn't he? Now it's a quote from Psalm 27.1. But look at how he says it. Here's the promise. So we confidently say in faith... We seize the promise. That's what faith does. It seizes the promise of God and in this case responds and confesses, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What shall man do to me? Matthew Henry of this says, Men can do nothing against God and God can make all that men do against his people Turn to their good. One of the other little divine providences in preparation for this, I started a new devotional and it had some Puritan readings in it. And for January 1, Richard Baxter says this concerning the text, a similar text in Romans 8.31, if God is for us, who can be against us? And that is precisely what his presence with us means. He is for you. He is with you. He is your aid and helper and refuge. Baxter says, If all the world were on your side, you might yet have cause to fear. That doesn't protect you from things. If all the world is on your side. But... To have God on your side 
is infinitely more. Christ, the captain of your salvation, has gone this way before you and now is engaged to make you a conqueror. Do not be afraid where Christ is leading the way. Do not draw back when you see his steps and his blood. So there's a second question answered. And so what other question might there be in this? Where are we going? What's our home? Who's going with us on the trip? A third question. Where else can we find truth that will never change? Where else can we find a foundation of truth that is solid and secure and never changes? Well, now I pick up the verses 7 through 9. 7 through 9, and you'll see there, there's a reference, first of all, to the leaders of the church, but know what, they, know what those leaders have done. They have been faithful to speak, what? The word of God to you. And then there is, as we consider that, he encourages us. Remember this, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. What's another name for Jesus Christ that you encounter, particularly at the Advent Christmas season from John chapter 1? He is what? He is the Word, right? He never changes, never will change. So also the Word that His Spirit has inspired. That word, this word is certain because Jesus, the word, never, ever changes. We can remember that. How, how significant is Jesus' word? This, this author told us that in chapter 1 when he says at the very start of this epistle, he says, long ago at many times and in many ways God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And, and look at this. What can Jesus do with his word? He upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So how can I have certainty in this life? Uh, how can I, can, I, can I trust the assured results of, of, nobody take offense here, sociological surveys or the assured results of the scientific method? We all know that, that the science of the 1960s has often been, been repudiated and said, oh, wait, wait, with their new discovery, new finding. Not so with the Word of God. The unchangeableness of the Lord Jesus Christ guarantees the unchangeableness of the written, spoken Word of God. And so we have a place to stand that will not be moved. There's a most wonderful, uh, one of the memories that uh, the Lord reminded me of as I was preparing this. Michael Card was a singer that Cecilia and I enjoyed 
mostly some years ago, but he has a tribute to his grandfather, who was a Christian man, a preacher, and uh, he does a song in that, but he has a recording of his grandfather's um, preaching both before and after with the song in the middle. And it's a striking statement. I was looking at this review of this, and one fellow writing says that his grandfather was a preacher from the Carolina Hills. And you can hear this recording with the statement. And the fellow says, this is the article writer, he says, his granddad delivers what must be one of the great quotes of Christendom. How does a man from the Carolina Hills do a great quote of Christendom? I live there. I don't do those things. Listen to the simplicity and the certainty and the confidence of faith. That granddad preaching says, I have no hope except that I believe that Christ died for my sins according to the scriptures. I expect to swing out into eternity on that. That's a belief in the Word of God. That's a belief in the promises of God. We've been given, so let's come to a conclusion here. We've been given an eternal kingdom. We travel with the king of the kingdom. And he never, never changes from the truth of his declared commitment to bring all of his children home safely at last. And so just quickly, so what does life look like for a child of God in 2020? We could go through some of these imperatives and we can say, well, it's going gonna, it's gonna to look like confidence in Jesus and a sacrifice, verses 10 and 12 of uh, chapter 13. It's going to be the fact that he still lives and we are then to live for him and bear his reproach in this world. We're to say no to this world and seek the city that is to come. We're to live a life of joyful praise to God. Uh, verse 15, let's offer up the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name, and then let's just be generous. Verse 16, don't neglect to do good because we have an eternal, unshakable home. We are traveling with the king of the kingdom, and we have his word. Let's go to him in prayer. Lord, we bless you and praise you. What is this that the God of heaven and earth, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, look upon sinful people and draw them to yourself through faith in Jesus Christ, the only sacrifice for sin, the only Savior, the only Redeemer, the only mediator between God and man. But we thank you that there is him, one. We thank you that you took our blindness away and enabled us to see. Now give us joy in this new year to live to your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.